Welcome to the Intentional Encourager podcast, where each episode brings you compelling conversations and stories designed to entertain, enlighten, and encourage. And now here's your host, Brian Sexton. And welcome into the Intentional Encourager podcast. I'm your host, Brian Sexton. Thank you so much for joining me today. This is a personal treat for me because I am talking to the guy that helped push me and and get me into this space. 18 years ago, he asked me to guest host for him on Thanksgiving Day 2002 in the infant stages of his show, The Tom Roten Morning Show. And look where we are today. He's got four boys. I have a son that'll be almost 20. In fact, our kids are not real far apart in age. We've come a long way together. My dear, dear friend, Tom Roten joins me on the Intentional Encourager podcast. Tom, how you doing, man? This is, this is really cool that you do this for me. Doing great. Thanks for asking me, Brian. It's been a, been a long time. I didn't realize it'd been that long that you've been guest hosting. Uh, I think maybe we've been around too long. Man, I met <laughs> you at, a, at a, a Brian Free and Assurance concert. In Ironton, right? In Ironton in August of 2001. And June of 2001, and we'll get to your story here in a minute, but June of 2001, you took on a new venture that was really outside your comfort zone called the Tom Roten Morning Show. And you had always been a sports guy, but, but you were asked to do a talk format. When you first got approached to do the Roten Show, what went through your mind? Um, I give it a try. Uh, I, like you say, I've been mainly a sports guy from, um, 1986 when I broke into radio at Marshall University's campus station, WMUL through, uh, 2001, uh, mainly just doing uh, play by play. Uh, I'd hosted some sports programs. Uh, I'd been involved as a newscaster and a reporter just to a small degree, but news had never really been my forte. And certainly commenting on news of the day, which is what I've been doing for the last 19 years, that was something I've never done before. Uh, but it all got started. Do you want me to share this now? Absolutely. Go okay. ahead. Yeah. It, it yeah. all got started in February 2001 when now Senator Shelley Moore Capito had first been elected to the U.S. House of representatives. So she was Congresswoman Capito. Uh, she had just been sworn in in January 2001. She was uh, back on, on leave in her home district uh, in February of 2001, and she was watching her son play a basketball game. His name, Moore Capito, he's now a member of the West Virginia House of Delegates, by the way, and Moore Capito played for George Washington High School in basketball and they were playing Cabell Midland. Uh, I was doing the play-by-play of that game uh, after the game, and I don't really recall who won, but after the game, parents were standing around, as they always do, waiting for their sons to come out of the locker room, and I look over and I see uh, Congresswoman Capito, and I said to the man who would later become my producer on this talk radio program, Dave McCorder, Dave was doing the uh, color uh, for, for the broadcast. I said, Dave, go, go ask uh, Congresswoman Capito if she'd come over during the post game. 
and uh, he did and she did. And so I interviewed her and uh, management back here heard that interview. And what I didn't realize, uh, even though we had just switched to being a talk format, previously we were known as WKEEAM. We carried uh, various music formats uh, from oldies to uh, standards. Uh, I think the, the latest uh, format was uh, you know, we, anything from uh, uh, Frank Sinatra and um, Kenny Rogers to uh, uh, you know, Neil Diamond. Yeah, that, of that version of Key was the oldies station. I remember that very well because yeah. uh, you had Key FM, which was top 40 and, and the hits, and, and there needed to be an outlet for the oldies station. So yeah. you, you decide, and you're doing ball games, you and Dave, and I knew Dave well. Dave and I worked together. He passed away several years ago. But you do this interview with, with Senator Capito. What's going through your mind? Are you just wanting to have a – quick conversation yeah. with her and get out the door? Yeah, I just thought it was neat. You know, here, here this newly elected congresswoman was there and, you know, she had been a member of the legislature and I knew about her for a long time uh, and I recognized her and I thought, oh yeah, more Capito, that's, that's his mom. Let's, uh, let's get her over here. So I talked to her for maybe, I don't know, three, four, five minutes at the most. And uh, as I say, I, I didn't realize it, but management was looking to add a local morning talk show. And uh, we had just switched formats, as I say, from music to talk. We'd switch call letters from WKEEAM to WVHUAM. And uh, the, the only program that we had in those beginning uh, weeks and months uh, that, that we still have now was Rush Limbaugh. Yeah, that's and, right. Uh, and so, uh, you know, we had different different programs. Glenn Beck wasn't even nationally syndicated, neither was Sean Hannity at the time, who we have now. Uh, sandwich around Rush Limbaugh, obviously, and those are, you know, three of the biggest talkers in the nation, but they were looking to have a local morning talk show, and they'd been looking for a host, and they had never mentioned it to me before, and uh, and so after that broadcast, sometime after that, late February, they mentioned to me, would I be interested, mm -hmm. and so uh, I talked to the powers that be, and I said, you know what, I'll give it a try for a year, uh, at the time, I was only working part-time here at the radio station. I'd been working full or part-time, various capacities, for about 10 years. Started here in June of 1991 uh, as, a, as a sportscaster and uh, running uh, WVU games, uh, NASCAR racing that we carried, and a news yeah. program that we carried. So that's how I started here. And, uh, and so, and then I moved into sales for a little bit and I was doing that full time. And then I took on some other ventures and was not full time at this particular moment as we're talking about in February of, uh, 2001. Mm -hmm. And so they, they offered me to do this and, and, uh, uh, the timing was going to work out to where about May is when I would be hired back full time. And, uh, and then early June, and it ended up being June 4, 2001, uh, was when we would launch the program. So we actually did, in May of 2001, we did two weeks worth of programs as a trial run. And that was very good for me because, like I said earlier, I had never really done uh, commentary on yeah. regular news of the day. I'd done commentary yeah. on sports, but I really wanted to work hard to not be the sports guy. 
In fact, I'm way less of a sports guy now than you I really was are. You've before. really evolved. Your your involvement and and being being your friend and watching you from from the outside and listening. And full disclosure, I do listen to the Roten Show every morning um, because I want to support my friend, and I get the opportunity from time to time to still fill in for him as he goes on vacation and things like that. But you really have evolved. So has talk radio, but you had a pivotal moment early in your show that really changed the direct, the trajectory of your show. And that was September 11th, 2001. Take me through that morning of the Tom Roten morning show. Yeah. Six months into the program. Uh, Less than six months, like three months. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's right. Three months into the program. Well, uh, you you always say that math is not your strong suit it's coming not, from Gilmer County, air. West Virginia. Not yeah. on air. On air math, I'm terrible. Yeah. Three months <laughs> into the program. Uh, and yeah. He also told me he's like, uh, never correct the host on the that's air. That's right. You just yeah, did. So I'm breaking a cardinal rule there. Well, it's better. Well, I'm that the you host, did that. so yeah, I can correct you if I want. Yeah. You. Uh, so it was a Tuesday morning. Um, Right as we were going off the air, we had the Today Show on. And um, Dave McCorder was running the board. I was coming out of a break, basically just to say goodbye. The show was over. And I looked up on the screen and I saw the smoke coming from one of the Twin Towers. Had no idea what was going on, no idea what was happening. We couldn't hear the audio. And at that time, they actually didn't know what had happened either. Uh, so I just mentioned it and I said, you know, stay tuned. We'll, you know, we'll bring you all the information about this, uh, later on. Um, so we, we end the show, the national news comes on and, um, they really, at that time in that first news break, they didn't know much about it either. When it became apparent that, uh, these were deliberate attacks of planes flying into buildings and we were under attack as a nation, Uh, management really was not here to make a decision. Uh, Dave McCorder and I made a decision that we needed to provide information to our listeners in this critical time. So we interrupted the syndicated program that was on after my show uh, to just started talking about what we were seeing. And uh, Dave did a little bit of it while I gathered information. I came back on while Dave gathered information. And we just rolled with it the best we possibly could until uh, one of our networks we were affiliated with, and it it wasn't Fox News at the time. I don't even think there was a Fox News radio. No, there wasn't. There wasn't a Fox News. I think think it was ABC News. I think that's right, Tom. And and so they, they... Finally, probably by about 10 to 10.15, they came out with a long-form coverage of what was happening on September 11, 2001, and we were able to put that on. And the reason that we had to go on, really unscripted, basically looking at a TV and talking about what we were seeing, was because the program we were carrying at the time, as I said, Glenn Beck wasn't nationally syndicated, it was Dr. Laura. And Dr. Laura, what we were playing her program from the day before. So it was actually Monday's program pre-recorded that you were hearing on that Tuesday, September 11th. 
And the reason is because her program at the time actually overlapped or maybe aired at the same time as Rush Limbaugh, but we carried Rush Limbaugh live. So Dr. Laura, we carried on a tape delay basis the next day. And so she had no idea. She wasn't going to be talking about planes flying into buildings. So it was ludicrous for us to have that on. So we had to do something. And, and so Dave and I went on until yeah. we got that long form national coverage. And let's put some context around that at that time. The, the station that you're on is an iHeartMedia station. There was no iHeartRadio app. You couldn't get radio like you can get it today on your cell phone or your iPad or your laptop. Right. It was all terrestrial over the air. There was some satellite radio coverage, but obviously for a local formatted talk station, the only way you could reach an audience was they had to be in their cars or or some kind of radio to pick you up over the air. Yeah. It wasn't like it is today where you can get, you know, I can listen to the Tom Roten morning show in California if I so chose to do so. And I would, and I have over the iHeartRadio app. Tom, how did that change you as a broadcaster? And how did that change the Tom Roten morning show from what you started it out to be? To, to what it's become. What, was that, when you look back at your career, was that a seminal defining moment in your career? Do you think that that really changed how you delivered your, your program? Not only my career, but the, and not only this show, but every talk radio program. Um, I, I did not realize, I, I, I started to really take in what was happening to our country uh, as a, a husband, as a father, um, I can remember going to, um, uh, to visitation, uh, regular Tuesday night visitation with the church we were going to at the time. And, and not only talking to those people about coming back to church, but, uh, but getting their reaction to what was happening in our country on that Tuesday evening. And it was just, uh, I realized what the country was starting to think and how we were coming together in various ways. Uh, you're right, we had, not only did we not have an iHeart radio app, we weren't even called iHeart then. It was still, it was Clear Channel. Yeah, and that was right. brand new. The, the name Clear Channel was brand new. I think that, that labeling, that, that brand had just started mm-hmm. in 2001, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, and so not only we, were we not on an app because there were no apps, I don't believe we were even streaming at the time. So, yeah. Whatever website we had, it was uh, not much to brag on, I'm sure, and we weren't streaming, so the three hours live was all we had. The show for those first three months had really been about mainly local and state issues. I mean, you know, local mayors, uh, you know, maybe some legislators, uh, regional airport, you know, remember that? We've talked yeah. about a regional airport. That was the big topic, you know, in June, July, and August up until September 11th. Well, you remember, let me, let me, let me remind you of something else that was hot at that time that, that had a little bit of life after that too. Remember the big, um, remember Huntington where, where we're from was looking at casino gaming and table gaming. Oh yeah. And that was a hot topic. I actually hosted a forum. I remember that. uh, at, At what's, at the Huntington Civic Arena uh, with with people who were for and against 
uh, riverboat gambling. I remember that. And, uh, man, that was a hotly contested issue. And I, you know, I dove right into that. Of course I was against it. Uh, and, and, but, but I hosted a forum for it, but yeah. So September 11th changed everything from, from a purely local perspective on local issues to now a global issue, but from a local perspective. And so, I had no idea, Brian, at the time, how many people who really hadn't, didn't care about talk radio mm -hmm. until that point, and people who are listeners of my program now, 19 years later, were driven to talk radio for the first time on September 11th, and, and they've stayed with it since yeah. then. Many of them become talk radio junkies, as they call it now, since then. Yeah. And, and what they wanted to know was, what are people saying about what's happening? What what's the reaction here? And then, of course, we we went to we went to war. Uh, we went in Afghanistan. Yeah. We went in Iraq. All these different political aspects of this, and that just kept it going. That kept the interest even more so. So yeah, it was not the way I wanted to see talk radio explode, but explode it did because of September 11th. You've had some really cool things that have happened to the program, and it's been good as your friend watching them from afar, you getting the recognition you deserve. I want to ask you about something that happened to you a couple of years ago with Senator Rand Paul that you had no idea by the you you had a conversation with then presidential candidate Rand Paul, and by the day's end, you were on CNN. Tell, yeah. tell, tell, tell the audience about that story. Cause I think that is one of the coolest stories from the, from the 19 years of the Tom Rope morning show. Yeah. Just one of the regular interviews with, uh, Senator Paul, who uh, we, we developed a relationship since he first ran for the U S Senate in Kentucky. And then when he was running for president in 2016 in the Republican primary, uh, he was on to, uh, to just talk about general things with his, uh, with his campaign. And let me, and let me, Tom, let me jump in here. Let me give our audience some context. Yeah. Where, where we live, we are, where, where we live, we're 30 minutes from Ashland, Kentucky. And Tom's program actually goes down 64. You can pick it up to near Moorhead, Kentucky, which is halfway between Ashland and Lexington. Kentucky geographically on I-64. So you were right in the heart of the district that Rand Paul was going to, was trying to run to represent in the United States Senate. So that's how you developed that relationship with, with Senator Paul. And then at the time, presidential candidate, yeah. Rand Paul. Yeah. Uh, it was great to be able to have, I mean, you know, for a, a local uh, talk show host to be able to interview presidential candidates, uh, that, that's been one of the big thrills and I, I've been able to interview several of them, but yeah, Rand Paul was on that day and I, I don't even know why I asked the question. I think I was just doing some quick prep, happened to see something that he had said about Cuba. Uh, President Obama uh, had said something about uh, uh, our relations with Cuba and uh, it happened to be that Rand Paul agreed with President Obama on this one particular issue. Mm -hmm. And uh, so he, I asked him about it. He spoke about it. And uh, I, I don't even know what happened. As, you know, after the show, I you know, went to talk with somebody, uh, used the restroom, got something to eat, come back, and my, my email is blown up. Mm -hmm. uh, my phone's blowing up. 
Facebook's blowing up. And I was like, what, what's going on here? I do something wrong. <laughs> I didn't know yeah. what happened. Well, am I getting fired today? <laughs> yeah. I, I, mean, I had all these requests from the Associated Press, New York Times, CNN, yeah. ABC, uh, just worldwide news agencies wanting the clip or the podcast of my interview with Rand Paul. And so I got that out as quickly as I possibly could. And let's just say the, uh, the podcast numbers went through the roof that day and really for that week, um, you know, for, for the Tom Roten morning show. And it, I don't think it's ever gotten that big since then, but that was huge. That was huge. What's the neatest thing you've got to do at, around being the host of the Tom Roten morning show? Because there's a lot of things and, and, and people ask me, they'll say, you know, you, you fill in for Tom and, and it's really cool. It's been a blast and it's been an honor that you've given me the chance to sit behind the microphone because that's your livelihood. That's your job. You know, anything, things, that, and, and I'm particularly protective of it because you're my friend. I don't want to say something stupid, and I have, and I've taken some repercussions over it. But what's the coolest thing that you've gotten to do or the coolest person you've gotten to talk to sitting in that chair the last 19 years? You know, um, I interviewed uh, Gavin McLeod. If you remember Gavin McLeod from the Love I remember Boat. that interview, Tom. McHale's Navy. Yeah. Uh, he had stints on the Andy Griffith show. Uh, you know, Captain Steubing is the love boat on the love yeah. boat. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, it was on Mary Tyler Moore. Uh, it was a, a big star in that program. And um, not that he was one of my favorite actors growing up. He wasn't. I wasn't a big fan of The Love Boat, but he was a big time Hollywood name. <clears throat> he was in a movie. Uh, he's in a couple of Christian movies uh, by the uh, Rich Cristiano, the Christian uh, movie producer. And uh, one of them was The Secrets of Jonathan Sperry, and the other one was uh, Time Changers. I mm -hmm. recommend both of those for you and your family, Brian. Yeah. Uh, and and they become favorites for uh, my family. And so uh, just knowing that he had lived the Hol Hollywood life, had become a believer, and wanted to promote that in his older age through these movies, uh, that meant a lot to me. Mm -hmm. uh, he had written a book, and uh, I get a lot of books just between you and I, I don't read all those books, Brian. I don't have time. You've handed several books. of those off to me that are probably behind me on this yeah. bookshelf. I just don't have time. And, yeah. uh, but I did read that one. I read all of it and I wanted to. Yeah. It was very interesting, very transparent about his life. And I wanted to interview Gavin McLeod, who was uh, about the same age as my dad. And at the time, if you remember my dad, who was a World War II veteran, um, had, uh, had hip surgery. He, yeah. he wasn't doing well. I believe he was at the Cleveland clinic at the time. Yeah, I think he was. Yeah. And I told Gavin McLeod about my dad because they were the same age. And, um, he said, I'm going to be praying for him. And we, we ended, we did an hour long interview. I'd recorded it. Uh, I did yeah. four segments with him. And, um, he said at the end of the interview, tell your dad, Jim, that I'm praying for him. Wow. Now, he doesn't know my dad. He doesn't know me. But this was, at the time, one of the biggest Hollywood stars that there was uh, on, on television. 
And uh, he said he was going to be praying for my dad. Now, that may seem insignificant to a lot of people, but that meant a lot to me. But, but it's not just that one interview. Who am I? I yeah. mean, I'm a, yeah. a local yokel talk radio host. Quite frankly, talk radio hosts are a dime a dozen, okay? I mean, let's admit it. They're all over the place now since the explosion you know, from Rush Limbaugh and the people that paved the, the way. Uh, and more than that, I'm, I'm just a guy from one stoplight in the entire county of Gilmer County. And I've been able to interview people like that, people like Rand Paul, other presidential candidates, uh, you know, be, form a relationship with people like U.S. Congressman Thomas Massey, yeah. former Kentucky Governor Matt Bevan, yeah. and, and different people like that, that they, they call me by my first name. I call them by their first name. I have their number. I mean, we're, I would consider us friends. I mean, you know, on a, on a professional level, but, right. but still. I mean, I've had dinner with members of the U.S. Congress. I mean, I'm, I told my wife after the last time that happened, it was Bill Johnson. I said, who am I to have dinner with a member of U.S. Congress? Yeah. I mean, that's, I mean that, that's a big thing. And uh, I don't want to ever take that for granted, the, the opportunities that God has opened for me. And if it's had an impact on anybody over the years, I just praise God for that. And that really, the unnamed people, that have said, man, I appreciate your show. Yeah. Uh, you know, here you, you said something the other day that made me change my mind, or you had a guest on that made me really think about this issue that I hadn't thought about before. I'm considering, and that's what I want people to do. I want them to consider something yep. different than they've always been taught, always been told. Uh, so for those people, and I can't re remember their names, but they've come to me and they said, hey, this had an impact on me in the way I think that that's big time who's somebody that you haven't had a chance to interview that you would really want to sit uh, down and talk to uh you know uh i, I love talking to the world war ii veterans uh, that's why i like talking to my dad so much uh about world war ii so any of those guys that i could talk to and we're losing them faster and faster oh, yeah. just because of yeah of their ages and things like that. I mean, even, even somebody that was, that was an 18 year old at the end of that in 1945, they would have had to have been born in 1929 and, and they would be in their nineties now. Yeah. So we're losing those faster and faster. But if you thought about somebody, you're like, man, I would love to spend 30 minutes talking to this person. Uh, I wish I could have interviewed Tim Conway. Uh, yeah, I tried. Yeah, uh, around the same time I interviewed uh, Gavin McLeod. They were both in McHale's Navy. Uh, Tim Conway had a book come out, and I tried really hard uh, to to set that up. Uh, he even has a son by the same name that works for iHeart, and I tried going that route and and just couldn't get it set up. Uh, I don't I don't think he was able to do interviews really. Uh, I, so that was a disappointment. Uh, I can't really think of anybody else. I'm not big on, you know, stars necessarily, you know, I, I'm not, I don't get real starry eyed and, and all that about celebrities. Um, so I, I really can't think of anybody else that, that I would have liked. I had an, oppor had an opportunity to, uh, to try and interview Johnny Bench. We, we let, uh, the sports guy, 
Yeah, you let uh, Philly all interview Philly, him. Yeah. Let Jason Philly all interview yeah. him. I mean, it just didn't really it didn't really fit. Um, and you're in full disclosure, like me, you're a diehard Cincinnati Reds fan. You've been a Reds fan since you were a kid. Isn't talk about and and let me jump here for just a second. I had planned on doing it, and and you we're we're we've just got a few minutes left together, but you really got hooked on broadcasting by listening to a guy who's a baseball hall of famer, a guy named Marty Brenneman. And you've had yeah. a chance to talk to Marty Brenneman several times yeah. and interview him. When you think back of, of being a kid in Gilmer County, West Virginia, and, and thinking back to your, to your childhood, what do you remember about listening to guys on the radio and how that impacted you as a, a future broadcaster? Tremendously. There were two guys that had a tremendous impact on me uh, going back to my middle school, high school days. Uh, in my room in uh, a basement, in, in the, my parents' basement in Glenville, West Virginia, Gilmer County, I listened to in the summer, Marty and Joe, Marty Brenneman, play-by-play -play announcer for the Cincinnati Reds. And yeah, you're right. I've, I've talked to him on this show uh, more than once, and certainly at the uh, the Reds Caravan stops, interviewed yeah. him there several times as well, and got to know him a little bit. That was a big thrill, of course. Um, the other one was uh, the former uh, and now deceased voice of the Mountaineers, Jack Fleming. You know, growing up in Central West Virginia, everybody was a Mountaineer fan. I went to Marshall, but I was a Mountaineer fan, uh, and I listened to Jack Fleming, and Jack Fleming, just like Marty, painted the picture. Uh, whether it was Mountaineer football or Mountaineer basketball, I felt like I was in the Coliseum. I felt like I was at Mountaineer Field. I felt like I was at, you know, Riverfront Stadium. Uh, because those guys reached into my basement in Glenville, West Virginia, and made it like I was there. They painted the picture, and I thought, I want to do that. I want to be able to paint the picture. And one of the greatest compliments I've ever had uh, and this was going play-by-play, play. and it was uh, early on right here at this station, I think in the early 90s, it was uh, an Associated Press uh, Broadcasters Award that I won, first place for play-by-play, play. and the, the judge had made a comment, and the judges on that don't have to make comments, but the judge had made a comment, and it said, you make listening to the radio just like being there. And I thought, that's it. That's what I want to do. And so whether it's play-by-play -play or uh, as somebody who comments on the news of the day uh, as a talk show host, I, I want to be able to make the listener feel like they're right there yeah. in understanding what's going on. Yeah, I've got to ask you a couple more questions if I can because they're running through my mind. And, man, you and I could talk for three hours. In fact, we, we really should. You know, I've lobbied – Full disclosure, I have privately lobbied this man to do a full show with him. I think one time we did it because you had voice problems. You called me and said, I need you to come in. My voice is not good, and I've got to do it. And, and, yeah. and it was great fun. It was a lot of fun for us to do it together. What's the biggest obstacle that you've overcame, either hosting the Roten Show or, or in your career, personal? Because there are a lot of people that will listen to this that are going through things that, that, that they've have obstacles in their life. What's the biggest obstacle that you've overcome? Uh, try not to force things. Uh, 
in my life, God has opened doors that I felt like he wanted me to go through. Um, when I tried to force things on my own, it hadn't worked out as well. And uh, I think once you have the open door, you go at it full force. You dive in and you swim until uh, the, the pool is drained. When, when, when that door is closed, then you stop and you do the next thing. But as long as that door is open, you just go at it full force and you do the best that you can. Uh, halfway is not good enough. And um, I had no idea what talk radio was, was really about. I had no idea what, uh, I mean, I, I consider myself a conservative, but I had no idea about looking at issues from different viewpoints, different sides, uh, interviewing people uh, of different walks of life. Uh, I, I had no idea. And so when I realized that this was what I was going to be doing, I had no idea I'd be doing it for 19 years. Uh, mm -hmm. I just wanted to do the best that I could. I, I wanted to be, uh, to give the most uh, truthful and fair commentary that I could on the news of the day. I wanted to be as fair as I possibly could with the guests that I would have on. I wanted to have on guests that would, maybe be a little bit outside of the norm mm -hmm. to, to give me opportunity to think differently and thus give my listeners an opportunity to think differently than what everybody else is telling you. You can, you can get mainstream commentary and news just about anywhere now. Uh, so I want to be different, not necessarily just to be different, but give different perspectives so people aren't hearing just the same thing over and over again. And so I would say my advice to people would be go at it full force, do the very best that you can, and try to find out what makes you unique. Not just to be different, but what makes you unique. Yeah. You said over and over, and I love this, and I've shared this with other people. You said two things in 19 years that really stuck out with me. The first thing you said is the truth is still a truth. The truth is still the truth, even if nobody believes it. And a lie is still a lie, even if everybody believes it. And the thing that the, the most thing that I've quoted you by saying is what you said, Tom, is you said who you really are will manifest itself. Who you yeah. really are has manifested itself for 19 years. And man, I, I love you. And it, it's an honor to call you a friend and a brother. I appreciate you coming on my podcast. And by the way, the voice that you hear for the intro to the podcast is this guy right here who, who did his buddy a favor. So still Tom, waiting on the check. Well, so am I. So, yeah, <laughs> so am I. Yeah. Hey, listen, when, when, when the first piece of advertising comes into the intentional encourager podcast, I yeah. will treat you to the finest Chinese buffet in the area. Ooh, can't wait till they reopen those by the way. <laughs> Yeah, that's like the last restaurant I ate at was was uh, was with Chinese me, buffet with yeah, you. The, yeah, with me. That's exactly right. Yeah, because my wife won't eat. Down. Well, she won't eat at Chinese restaurants, and I call you up. I'm like, hey, you want to get some lunch? Uh, yeah, let's go over to to whatever they're calling it now in, in our area. But hey, Tom, thank you, man, from the bottom of my heart. Thank you for being on today with me on the Intentional Encourager podcast. Hey, yeah, man. Hey, listen, congratulations on the podcast. 
thanks for doing it. Uh, you know, trying to get different perspectives out there and, and encourage people. And uh, I, I think it's going great for you. Uh, I know there's uh, a lot of people doing podcasts, so there's a lot of choices, but uh, you're, you're making what you do unique and special. And uh, I appreciate you having me on. Thanks a lot. Yeah, the two listeners that I get a week are, are really glad that I've done the Intentional Encourager podcast. Well, you can only go up from there, right? <laughs> My thanks as always. Tom Roden, I appreciate Bryce. you, man. Sexton Thank you for being on the Intentional Encourager podcast. And the ultimate thanks, thanks goes to the Lord Jesus Christ, who provides intentional encouragement every day through his word. And until next time, remember, everyone, everywhere, Time and any place can be an intentional.